sure. You guys think you're funny, don't you? Well, let me tell you something. You're looking at your futures. I don't think so, elf boy. This is just a temporary job? Yeah, because we're going to go to college. You got a girlfriend? I'll bet it's a redhead. How did you know that? <laughs> Lucky guess. Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a woman? No Man Presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children Podcast. Merry Christmas, Jingle Boobs, and welcome back to the Nudie Bar, where it's the final season of Married with Children the final season of the Married with Children podcast, and it's the final Christmas episode. We are reviewing God Help Ye Merry Bundy Men, which first aired December 22nd, 1996. And my name is Annabelle, and I'm just sitting here in the jiggly room taking up electricity. Well, my name is Matt, and uh, unfortunately, I just got replaced at my work by a man called Pat, who is a new team member of Hal and Biff. Does he remind you of anyone? <laughs> yeah, he reminds me a lot of me. Hang on. That's just me with more hair and a uh, better, better, better tie on. Grr! <laughs> <laughs> is it one of those ties, those short ties that Al wears? Oh, no, no, no. It's a really posh one from, uh, for, for you um, non-Australian listeners, from uh, D- David Jones and Myers at Elite Department Stores. Oh, very nice. So yes, this is the final Christmas episode, as I said. Sad face. Uh, it's God Rest Ye Merry Bundy Men. And it was written by Steve Faber and Bob Fisher. And directed by our very own Amanda Burst. And the guest cast for this episode, Harold Sylvester as Griff. Janet Carroll as Gary. Jonathan Mangum as Hal. Kevin Lamont Smith as Biff. Amy Linden as Small Manager. Stephen Anthony Lawrence as Kid One. Lynette Bennett as Judge 1, Mary Stein as Judge 2, and Christian McLaughlin as Reindeer Dancer. And we'll come to those people when they uh, show up in the episode. There's a few to talk about there. But a brief synopsis from IMDb. It's Christmas. Al does not want a Christmas tree. The rest of the family do. Marcy is determined to win the neighbourhood decorating contest. Gary hires two young guys... Hal and Biff to help Al and Griff at the shoe store. Someone, actually Bud and Kelly, kidnap Mary and Joseph from Marcy's nativity scene and demand $500 in ransom. Hal and Biff turn out to be such good workers that Gary decides to replace Al and Griff with them permanently. Sunday, get ready for the all-new Bundy Christmas special. Jingle bells, jingle bells. Bless you. Married with children, part of a full hour. It all starts Sunday at 7, 6 central. The title of the episode, God Help Ye Merry Bundyman, is just a play simply on the words, on the carol, the traditional English Christmas carol, God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. A lot of 
imagination went into that title. But <laughs> it is one of the oldest extant carols, dated to the 16th century or possibly earlier. And the earliest, well, the earliest known printed edition of the carol is in a broadsheet dated circa 1760. And the carol was famously referred to in Charles Dickens' 1843 A Christmas Carol. It was at the first sound of God bless you, merry gentlemen, may nothing you dismay. Scrooge seized the ruler with such energy of action that the singer fled in terror, leaving the keyhole into the fog and even more congenial frost. So not too good for um, Al, 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 I almost said Alan Beaver, Alan Griff. <laughs> See, <laughs> not too good for um, Al and Griff. Uh, not. I'm worried. I mean, uh, you can't keep, keep them out of the shoe store. They'll have no purpose in life if that that, that happens. No, Al might have to find yet another job. He might, he might. Uh, on the day we recorded this, I just want to say, so I actually volunteered at a um, garage sale, what us Australians call yard sales, and I also want to say, uh, so if you haven't seen the episode Yard Sale, check it out, like the last episode of season four, and uh, I was saying to one of the customers at the garage sale, uh, I actually know from my favourite TV show how not to sell shoes, because my friend, amongst other many other things, was selling her shoes. Very good. Yes. So, speaking of selling shoes, we open in the shoe store with Al and Griff wearing adorable Santa hats and holding hands, and they're on their knees praying. <laughs> yes, they are. Dear Lord, I know we haven't talked to you since the 4th of July blowout sale, but <laughs> with three more shopping days until Christmas, we ask you to protect us as we stare into the valley of the shadow of thighs. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and let go of my hand now, Griff. Do I have to? <laughs> Sorry. All right. Let's unlock and load. They, uh, oh man, they're, they're not looking forward to what's going to happen in that, um, the onslaught of customers, and this is actually rare, this is a rarity, I think, I swear. There's always customers outside the shop, normally the shop is empty. Yeah, there must be some really, really good deals at Christmas. Yes. See, yeah, deals in quality shoes and or cheap shoes, like cut price or warehouse shoes or something, because shouldn't they be grateful to earning more money, assuming they get a commission? Yeah, yeah, you'd think so. Or maybe word got out that Alan Griff are about to be replaced, or they're about to have, not replaced, but have some new staff on, or Gary's just really good at marketing for the holidays. Yes, um, well, as a, as a Gary, well, a Gary herself actually knows a bit some business sense, unlike Alan Griff. There's a little reference here when Al says to God, we ask you to protect us as we stare into the valley of the shadow of thighs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, which is a reference to uh, Psalm 23 from the Holy Bible. Uh, yes, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Ye, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no exit, for thou art with me, thy rod and my staff, they comfort me. Uh, parodied many other times, also perhaps most notably in Coolio's hit Gangster's Paradise, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. 
Yes, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I was going to say when I see that hear that line, that's all the first thing I think of is Coolio and that song because it's the opening line of his song, isn't it? As I walk through the and valley of the shadow of death. The shadow of death. But then by extension, I think of Weird Al Yankovic and his parody Amish, Amish Paradise. Paradise. As, As I, I walk through, through the, the valley, valley where I harvest my green. <laughs> yes, the Gangsters original was a karaoke favourite of my oldest friend, uh, Dave. If you listen to this, this is for you. Was your mind and or life completely blown when you found out that Gangsters Paradise was heavily sampled from Stevie Wonder's Pastime Paradise? Well... I don't know. St- I don't. I don't know that Stevie Wonder's song per se. It maybe I've heard it, but um, my mind is blown because I know quite a few Stevie Wonder songs, but not that one. Oh well. Um, if you want to look it up right now, I won't stop you. Um, because it's just it's lit- that song is literally that sample. So when Coolio got his nose bent out of shape about Weird Al copying his song, it wasn't really his song. I mean, he was his rap maybe, but like the whole song is Stevie Wonder's song. <laughs> Just quickly YouTube Stevie Wonder Pastime Paradise. You'll probably see all these comments saying, Oh my God, my whole life was a lie. Pastime Paradise, which came out in 1976. No, not the ad. Go away. Skip ad, skip ad. Men spending most their lives living in a pastime paradise. The melody is exactly the same. Yes, exactly. It's so sampled. It's it's not even sampled. It's almost stolen. Blimey. Well, mine is completely blown. Uh, yep, yep. I um, moved furniture, helped help the garage sale, and now my mind is blown over that song. <laughs> Just an interesting little reference as our praise. To his god. <laughs> but he know, but God's a woman, isn't she? <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, I was also watching Third Rock from the Sun recently. A- again, a-, a final season episode for them where the, the Solomons are at, at a-, a football match and you know, everyone stands up to sing the anthem along together. And the Solomons didn't know what was going on. They, they said, uh, okay, let's just stand up and do what everybody else is doing. And Dick doesn't know the words, so he says... As I walk through the valley of death. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear. Uh, Yeah, poor poor form. I I know the words to at least five national anthems, so you fail. I mean, even if you're an alien, you you might have heard that song by now. Exactly. I mean, I know ours, the US, Canada's, UK's, and New Zealand's. Uh, I know, well, American. I know some of Canada's. I know the tunes for a few others, but... Just Australia is the one I'm most familiar with. The Marseillais doesn't have words, does it? I don't no, know. no, no. I know the it's UKs, in- of course. Yeah, the, the French, La Marseillais, the French one, that's instrumental. So I would know that one if it had words. But the, I'm most familiar recently with the UK. Um, well, I know God Save the Queen because I've just conf- I just finished uh, working on a production of Madness of George III. And in that is a lot of God Save the King. And the music in that show is provided, it's all Handel. So it's all Handel music throughout that. And one of which is, there's a passage of God Save the King. God Save the King. And that was referenced a lot in the play. George III, who, um, he's the longest reigning male monarch. And before Queen Victoria's time, so 
uh, <laughs> there was one rehearsal when the, the main actor who was playing King George, by mistake, he said, God save the Queen. Which is very uh-huh. funny, and I was and I was very nervous he was going to say it in the show, but you know he's a professional; he knew what he was doing. But it was a very funny uh, slip of the tongue. Yeah, <laughs> nice. So, speaking of music, this little cold opening scene ends with an- another piece of popular classical music, Ride of the Valkyries. Good choice. Apt for, you know, let's unlock and load, and then hordes of women wanting what I presume is extremely cheap. I mean, inexpensive. <laughs> Probably cheaply made to inexpensive shoes. And they just come in, and Alan Griffith prepared for it, but I liked that they played the Ride of the Valkyries over the top of this. And that's from the opera, The Valkyries, by Richard Wagner. Yes, Richard Wagner. Very well-written piece of music, yes. Yeah, I I don't know if you've seen Apocalypse Now. Uh, I can't say I have, no. Oh, 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 put it on your list. I will. For many reasons. Uh, It's a a long one, but it's worth it, even if you just watch it once. Because there's an iconic scene in that film with... You know, if I mention Ride of the Valkyries, a lot of people might think of an iconic scene from Apocalypse Now. Because this is a scene where... All these helicopters come into Vietnam, and that song is played over the top. Nice. I've probably seen the scene. Uh, I've seen Acropolis now, but not Apocalypse now. <laughs> I remember Acropolis now. That's another Australian TV show for all you non-Australians out there from the late 80s, early 90s. Yes, indeed. And what a classic. Yeah, <laughs> yes. So that, that takes us into the opening credits. Yep, the usual short season 11 credits, which... Uh, yeah, um, this is my least favourite version of the opening, for, for obvious reasons. And we come back to the Bundy house, which is it's nice to see the Bundys all together. And Lucky, I mean, Lucky doesn't get a lot to do in this final season, but he does look awfully cute with his antlers on. He does. And Bart and Kelly and Peg, well, a lesser extent, Peg, are making popcorn necklaces. Or whatever they're making out of popcorn. Yes, um, you know, making a popcorn necklace, but there's something else Christmas-related that they really, really want. I love Christmas. <laughs> Keep them coming, kids. Oh, could you pass down some butter? Um, I'm supposed to eat it. Okay. <laughs> How does work? Oh, swell, Peg. You want to give me a little hand here? <laughs> Where's the other one? You don't want to know. God, I hate Christmas. Then I guess this wouldn't be the best time to ask about a tree. Now, why would I want something that just sits in the living room and takes up electricity? I have you for that. Come on, Daddy, we want a Christmas tree. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not letting you hang ornaments on me again this year either. Do Bundy traditions mean nothing to you people? So you got a little rash from the tinsel. You were beautiful, son. I think they want, don't tell me, a tree. A tree. A tree. But why would Al want something that just sits in the living room and takes up electricity? That's what he's got Peg for. <laughs> yes, he's got Peggy for that. 
<laughs> so that's a try. <laughs> yeah, I sometimes wonder how much uh, child abuse Bud has um, experienced. Well, let's see. You know, not getting um, vaccinations, vitamins. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, someone's at the door. Ding dong. At the door. It's a little drummer boy. Oh no, sorry, it's Masu. Oh yeah, it's it's a little it's a little chicken boy. Merry Christmas, all! I just made some Christmas cookies. <laughs> <laughs> you ate my sleeve. Button. Well. I just came by to tell you that this year I am finally going to win the neighborhood decorating contest. What, are you going to stand out front and be the little drummer boy? <laughs> no, stench you stole Christmas. <laughs> I have imported a hand-carved nativity scene from Bavaria. Cost me five grand. Don't you think that money would be better spent on a needy family? You know, like, like us? <laughs> Just 25 cents a day would make a world of difference in this little boy's life. Forget it. My holy family's gonna kick every Yuletide ass on the block. Uh, a, a little running joke in the show, you know, occasionally they'll, they'll, they'll eat so fast that someone will eat a button. If you remember back to... <laughs> Jefferson in... Um, oh, it's episode... Uh, what I Did for Love, I think. Yeah. Because he ate yep. Marcy's edible nitrous. Oh, no, it wasn't edible. That's right. And he just <laughs> ate the whole thing. He was hungry. We didn't want to stop. Yes. <laughs> he was way too hungry. <laughs> and speaking of Christmas cookies, I actually um, got from my friend's garage sale today some Christmas cookie cutters. So I'll have to test those out come December when it's actually Christmas time. Yeah, I've never had uh, cookie cutters. I mean, not that I bake cookies <laughs> much. I mean, I usually just buy them from Subway. <laughs> uh, actually, the Super Woolies do a, some decent, you know, white chocolate macadamia cookies, things like that. Um, yeah, they do. Because they're usually baked on site, so they're quite decent. Um, but I don't really bake cookies myself. That being said, if I were to get, say, Bundy-shaped cookie cutters, I would, I would certainly use them. Oh, yes. I'd use those too. Anyway, Marcy isn't just here with Christmas cookies. She's also here to say that she is going to win, not just take part in, but win the Neighbourhood Decorating Contest. <laughs> yes, uh, the stench, um, yes. <laughs> oh, but so Marcy's not going to be the little drummer boy, no, no, no. As she tells the stench who stole Christmas, uh, she's got a hand, imported a hand activity scene all the way from Bavaria, which is the... Um, a southern state of Germany and also the largest um, state by area of Germany. Yeah, I wonder how much that cost. Cost me five grand. Uh, what's that? Deutschmarks? Dollars? <laughs> Not, it wasn't euros because it was a free euro. <laughs> so how much would that be in today's money? <laughs> five grand? Yeah. Right, so let me just get my US inflation calculator up. Uh, so assuming US dollars because I'm assuming that... Um, I don't think um, the Bundys would un understand or care about what a Deutschmark was. No. 1996. That's $9,314.72. Yeesh. And in Australian money, 
$13,646.88. Bloody hell, Marcy. I'm, I know. I'm, with, I'm with the Bundys, you know. You know, just 25 cents a day could make a world of difference in a little boy's life. <laughs> yes. Marcy's all about the holiday spirit. Of course. But Peg likes that. She thinks that's some Christmas spirits. And, you know, maybe maybe they should have some traditions around here. Peg, like Christmas dinner? Oh, no. <laughs> that's been done to death. <laughs> you know, I saw a gingerbread house on Oprah today. Maybe I ought to make one of those. Does she know that would require baking? <laughs> Not to mention standing up. <laughs> I'll show you guys. I'm going in this kitchen right now, and I'm going to start baking. All right, now, just tell me which one of these things is the oven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it's always good to have Christmas traditions. Uh, so, uh, before we get any further, what are some Christmas traditions of yours, Annabelle? Christmas traditions. Um, somebody makes some sort of roast dinner, and then we eat a lot and open presents. <laughs> okay. All right. That's basically All right. it. So, so for me, uh, that's typically um, what I do with family. However, um, since I moved out of home, uh, this coming Christmas in 2022 will be my fourth Christmas out of home. Uh, I like to go to the beach at first light at around 5am, have a bit of a swim. Uh, and then I like to do the same thing when the sun goes down to, to end the day. Oh, that's nice. That, uh, actually, on Christmas Eve, uh, the husband and I do... We now have a tradition that we take, we buy some fish and chips and we go down to the beach at sunset on Christmas Eve and eat them on the beach there. Oh, nice. Yeah, to quote Kath and Kim, we have F and C's on the B. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Speaking of food, Peg saw a gingerbread house on Oprah today and that got her juices flowing. <laughs> no, uh, that got her thinking that maybe she should want to make one of those. Yeah, she actually wants to bake something, but uh, just tell me which one of these things is the oven. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, I mean, later, spoiler alert, later on in the season, she does. She still doesn't know which is the oven, which is the dishwasher. So I, either she's very dumb or just made this gingerbread house by dumb luck. I, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it, it's odd to see her want to cook something. I know. It's just an excuse to build a gingerbread neighbourhood, but still, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, that's not like Peg. She's obviously really motivated. Last time she cooked, it was against her will, pretty much. Yeah, like it is pretty much every every case she cooks, except for season one. Yeah, yeah, because she made one meal in season four. That's when Al went to the dentist. One in season five with the winnings from the foodies. Yeah, unless I mean we can, we we assume she made some food. Unless it, I, I sort of imagine that a lot of it came prepared, or they had somebody make it. But I think if they've got all the food there, they would cook it. Plus, Al was a bit indisposed, so maybe when Al's away, Peg and the kids will play. And I say that because there's an episode coming up this season very soon where that pretty much happens, and I'm not a huge fan of that. Yeah. Um, that comes up in the episode Trash. Yes, later this season, so keep, a, keep an ear up for that one, people. Yeah. But anyway, you know, we, we, we say, okay, we'll run with it. So Peg has, has been inspired to bake, and we leave that scene there, and we're back to the shoe store. So we're back to the shoe store. We're, we're, we're going back and forth to the Bundy house and the shoe store a lot in this episode, which is fine. And Griff is, uh, 
<laughs> Sleep on the job? Of course he is. Oh, poor Griff. Tough day, huh, Griff? <laughs> Griff! What if you shave the tall's no fit? <laughs> Merry Christmas, jingle boobs. <laughs> to stop your whining, I've got you some holiday help. Boys, Al, Griff, meet Hal, Biff. <laughs> Do they remind you of anyone? <laughs> Hootie and one blowfish. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Jingle Boobs. <laughs> I like um, Gary coming in. And um, yeah, she's got a present for, for Alan Griff. She's got them some holiday help. Alan Biff. Do they remind you of anyone? Uh, I think, hang on, they remind me of a uh, hooty and one bluefish. <laughs> oh, man, I did like that. I remember seeing this at the time and it cracked me up. I think because Hooty and the Blowfish were a much bigger band back then. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, so they, the Hooty and the Blowfish were an American rock band from uh, South Carolina and they formed in 86. And the band's lineup for most of its existence has been the quartet of Darius Rucker, Mark Bryan, Dean Felber, and Jim Sonefeld. And the band went on hiatus in 2008 until they had plans for a reunion tour in 2019 and released their first studio album in 14 years called Imperfect Circle. But Darius Rucker, he's the big name from that band. He's, he's done a lot of stuff as a solo artist as well. So uh, I think he is hooty. <laughs> Not to be yeah, confused with the Bundy's cousin Hootie. No, no, no. <laughs> half man, half owl. Purely coincidence they got the same name, that's for sure. I was, I was, I was going to say, uh, this whole scene is a callback to Scared Single way back in season eight. Uh, because um, you had Meg, which was basically a black version of Peg. Yeah, it does It does remind us of Scared Single. Yeah, there's a couple of scenes with the with these guys in this episode. Uh, these two, Hal, sorry, Hal and Biff, I was about to call him Al, Hal, <laughs> Biff is played by Kevin Lamont Smith, and Hal is played by Jonathan Mangum. You might have seen these guys in other things, but Jonathan Mangum is probably known more so because he is a very good improviser, and he has been on Whose Line Is It Anyway, uh, I mean, in the more recent years. But he's also Wayne Brady's improv partner. And I've been very fortunate to see these guys live on stage. Yeah. And they are fantastic. I mean, you're seeing, you're going to see Wayne Brady, but he's always brings Jonathan Mangum with him. And the two of them together are fantastic. And now so that Jonathan can, is more than capable of holding his own with someone like Wayne. And he's very funny, very quick, and just, you know, very comical because... Like, he's a very funny actor, but uh, he's got a couple of moments in this episode where he's sort of a bit, not like ganky, but like not gawky either, but very, like, he moves very comically. If you watch the scene where, uh, spoiler alert, at the end of the episode where Hal and Biff escape the shoe store and run into Gary and say, We quit, lady. Watch what, <laughs> yeah, watch what Hal does. He sort of does a very comical um, look right, exit left comic exit it's very funny 
Yes, uh, that is gold moment, that's for sure. Uh, that is for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I've seen him live in person and he is great. Nice. So the statue stole Christmas is in trouble. Uh, I just want to quickly say, going back to that line a bit earlier, that's a reference to obviously the Grinch who stole Christmas by Theodore Dr. Seuss Geisel, uh, written in rhymed verse, and obviously, most people know what this is, but it follows the Grinch and uh, published in 1957, who steals everyone's Christmas presents from Whoville, and uh, the Grinch has to change of heart and comes to his ways. Uh, yeah, so, book in 1957, a TV film in 1966 with Boris Karloff. A 2000 live action film, which I saw was a bought when I was nine, with Jim Carrey in it, uh, and a 2018 computer animated film with Benedict Cumberbatch. Very good. Yeah, so my fondest memory of The Grinch, personally, is seeing the Jim Carrey one when I was nine in the cinema, and also the Pizza Hut's dine-in tying with the Green Moose. Huh. That rings a vague bell. There was a, an episode. <laughs> there was an episode of. Um... Oh God! Oh, just shoot me. I don't know if you ever saw that show, but there was a Bits Christmas... Bits of it. It was on a primary school. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't... A, 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 one of those shows that, you know, I wasn't a huge fan of, but I seem to have watched a lot of episodes. I don't know. But uh, there's an epi- there's a Christmas episode of that, and they sing that the song, You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. That is... It must be an epi- a Christmas episode about the Grinch, and because it, it's... Oh, because it's Dennis Finch. So it's Mr. Finch, not Mr. Grinch. That's right. But the song in the episode, I think, was sung by Fraser himself, Kelsey Grammer. That's what I remember about it. So, yeah, it pops up on a lot of shows, movies. Um, you remember back in season two in You Better Watch Out, where the coroner calls Al Mr. Grinch? Yeah, yes. Now, listen, we're trying to have a holiday here. So why don't you get out of here and take the spirit of Christmas with you? Hey, I'd love to, Mr. Grinch. But I'm not taking them out there with those kids out there. Al, get rid of those kids. <laughs> if I knew how to do that, we wouldn't have ours. Yes, that was a good one. Al and Griff have two young eager boys hanging around them. Do you know what that makes us? Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> no! Management! <laughs> you know what management does? Takes long lunches and leaves early. <laughs> exactly. We've trained our whole lives for this. <laughs> Management. <laughs> but before that, we get in a pretty good zinger about Michael Jackson. Oh yes. <laughs> oh yes. It's obviously thirteen years before he passed away. Yeah, and uh, by this point, it's another joke about Michael Jackson. I did think this one was very funny. But, again, it's, it's one of those, those obvious punchlines. But I did like the way that Griff said Michael Jackson, because I wasn't entirely expecting it, but also Al set him up in such an obvious way that I did see it coming. Yes. Uh, but this is, you know, 1996, so it's a few short years after the first time, or one of the first times, shall we say, where Michael Jackson was accused of doing things, certain things. So this is before yeah. the big... The big the big, big one, and before he became a complete joke. But yeah, it's another Michael Jackson reference. An easy, an easy joke. But I still laughed. Yes, but not, not Michael Jackson. No, they're management. Yeah, they've been training their whole lives for this. 
Oh, what does management do? If I look at my job description for my current job, uh, oh, you know, it's not that, uh, my current job's management does not take long lunches, nor do they leave early. No, I don't do with either of those things. Anyway, but it wouldn't matter if I did, because no one's there to watch me. <laughs> no, I'm an honest person. Al and Griff think they've got it made now. So, we're back to the Bundy house, and it smells good in there for once. Mm-mm, smells good in here. Ooh, a gingerbread house. Oh, no, no, that's not for eating. This is what you call decorative. <laughs> well, that's great. The first time you cook something and you won't let us eat it. <laughs> hey, hey, Mom, there's a big crack in it. Well, yeah, that's because it's our house. <laughs> you see that cotton candy? That's asbestos. <laughs> hey, that's cool. Can I help? Well, sure. Why don't you separate these eggs? So yeah, Peg's baked this this house. She's actually she made a, a literal gingerbread house. Oh my gosh! Complete with cotton candy because asbestos and a crack crack in it because it's their house. Uh. <laughs> and I mentioned obvious jokes, and the you know Kelly offers to help. This is Peg saying, "Why don't you separate these eggs?" <laughs> like she, like she suddenly knows about cooking. And, you know, if you say to somebody like Season 11 Kelly, why don't you separate these eggs? What does she do? She literally separates the eggs from one another. This is, this is like in the last episode that uh, we reviewed in Requiem for a Chevy Weight with Kelly combing the classifieds. This is on par with that, although I think the combing of the classifieds was a bit worse. Another joke that you see coming a mile away. Yes, you do. But especially at this point in the show. Yeah, so I think we by now we accept the fact that Kelly is just... Dumb as a doornail. <laughs> as sharp as a bag of wet hair, to quote Al. But before we can dwell on that too much, uh, Marcy and Jefferson come in. They're looking a bit beleaguered, a bit agitated. It's a crisis. Peggy, oh my God, something horrible has happened. Mary and Joseph have been kidnapped from our nativity scene. <laughs> Have you guys seen anything? No, nope. I haven't seen anything. Nothing. <laughs> well, they pinned this note on the donkey. <laughs> hey, it's $500 or it's drapes for the Holy Family. <laughs> it's curtains. <laughs> so they meant curtains. <laughs> They've been kidnapped. <gasps> this is hot good. This is not good at all. <laughs> I love that they said kidnapped. <laughs> like they're, like real, they're people. real people. <laughs> oh dear. And and Jefferson says, Oh, they pinned this note on the donkey <laughs> Which is uh, one of those little references that tickle me. You know, instead of pinning the tail on the donkey, it's like they pinned a note on the donkey. It's just it's just silly. Pay us five hundred dollars or it's drapes for the holy family. Curtains. <laughs> That's what they meant. Curtains. So when you're watching, when you're watching the scene play out, when did you realise that Bud and Kelly were the guilty party? Well, okay, I've seen this episode multiple times. Um, so thinking about it, uh, I got the hint pretty early because. Uh, <laughs> Well, just the same drapes instead of curtains. That's the sort of thing Kelly might write, you know, the wrong word. Uh, the, also, the no, no cops line. Are you going to pay? 
Well, of course we're gonna pay. Yeah, but first we're gonna call the cops. <laughs> no, no cops! <laughs> I mean, you don't want to risk it. Kidnappers don't like it when you call the cops. I'm sure they forgot to put that in the note. <laughs> Kidnappers don't like it when you call the cops. And they do some good eye acting here, and that's when the studio audience has really clued in. Yes, yeah, so they're gold here, the audience, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, for for Kelly, someone like Kelly, or no, for, for Kelly to have just done that stupid egg joke and then play it very cool with Marcy and Jefferson here and, and subtly ask, oh, you know, sounds like they mean business, are you going to pay, without actually spilling the beans. I mean, she's the one who's more in control here. Yes, she is. So Bud and Kelly are acting very nervous, but I did like this picture that Jefferson wants to put up around the neighbourhood. Have you seen these people? And Mary and Joseph are people, but oh my god, they're statues. Back at the shoe store. And Hal... Sorry, it's confusing, this Hal and Griff. Hal, see, I've just done it. Hal and Griff. <laughs> Hal and Griff? Oh, what do you mean, Alan Biff? Yeah, this Hal and Biff. Sorry, Al and Griff have got Hal and Biff well-trained already, and they've come in with some, some burgers. Give me your burgers, sir. Ah! They're still warm. Well done. Thank you, sir. I said I wanted them well done! <laughs> Ma'am, public school system. <laughs> See, this is exactly why I don't pay taxes. They are, they are good management, um, Al and Griff, aren't they? Well, yeah, but Al wanted his well done. Well done burger? Yuck! I mean, yeah. I'm, it's not as bad as a well, well done... Remember his Bundy burgers and hot off the grill? I mean, it's not as bad as a well done steak, I will admit that. Well done steaks have a special place in uh, my opinions of food and is a very, very bottom. This is exactly why Al doesn't pay taxes. <laughs> uh, so Gary's back and, you know, uh, she's the one who makes Al stand up. There's a good exchange here when Gary asks Al. So, uh, Bundy, how are your protégés doing? Oh, well, they're still slightly inflamed, but the new employees are doing well. <laughs> And that, I think that's an example of an obvious joke. Well, not an obvious joke, but for lack of a better word, an obvious joke that's done well. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> well, because we've got some bad news for um, Alan Griff. You two are fired. What? What did we do? It's what you didn't do. Will you look at this? These two kids have done more work in the last three days than you've done in 25 years. <laughs> myself <laughs> it's what they didn't do uh those two kids they've done more work in the last three days than um alan griff have done in 25 years so it seems so yeah just like that alan griff are out and hal and biff are in charge now <laughs> there's got to be jobs that that pay more than shoe salesmen i think pay more than the shoe salesman <laughs> flip two Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle bells, Note to self, go to Whitford City, and there where I, I live, and uh, sing, sing at a shop and do the same thing. <laughs> so now we're back at the Bundy house. Bud and Kelly's plan to make some money for this Christmas season is to blackmail their neighbours. Hello? 
If you ever want to see Mary and Joseph alive again, drop $500 outside the ooze at 9 o'clock. That's the zoo at 6 o'clock, you moron! That's the zoo at 6 o'clock, you moron! Okay, we'll do it. But how do we know you haven't hurt them? Tell them to put the statues on the phone. Good idea. Put the statues on... Idiot! <laughs> We're rich! What? What? This is gonna be the best Christmas ever! Put the statues on the phone! <laughs> oh, that made me laugh, and that makes my mother laugh too, because she watches this episode sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I like to watch this episode every December um, or late November when I do my Christmas cards. Uh, I did like this scene. I mean, ugh, Kelly's disguise is. It's stupid. I mean, uh, it sort of begs the question, why is Kelly doing the speaking and Bud is, is holding the signs and he still gets one of the signs wrong? But, you know, it's fine. I mean, she does. Kelly does a pretty good job. I mean, they don't catch on that it's them. Um, maybe Marcy has had an attack of the stupids as well because she says, put the statues on the phone. But then she catches herself and she <laughs> she hits... <laughs> Jefferson over the head with their phone, which, if you watch, it's very obviously a fake phone because it, it bends quite a bit. And also the aerial on the phone wobbles about like a it's a piece of plastic. It, it may do that anyway for cordless phones back in the mid-90s. I'm not sure. But Marcy would be able to afford a pretty decent phone. Might do. But yeah, either she hit Jefferson really hard or... Yeah, it's <laughs> it's pretty clearly a plastic phone, but I still liked it because she just that whole exchange there. I think they just did it well. It made me giggle. Yes, <laughs> and our Peggy, uh, she's um done done her work too. Uh, she's um turned all of Jeopardy Lane seemingly into gingerbread houses. I thought you finished our gingerbread house. Well, I did, but I had so much fun that I decided to bake the whole neighborhood. <laughs> this is incredible. Hey, look, there's old man McGinty's house. Oh, he even got the telescope he uses to watch me shower. <laughs> Mom, what are those two marshmallows in your bedroom window? Well, that's Daddy mooning the Darcys. She has. She's baked the entire neighborhood, including Old Man McGinty's house. Yes, the second to last reference to the never seen Old Man McGinty. Uh, what's interesting about in this this episode is that uh, you get to see later on his daughter Marge, one of the Nativity judges. Yeah, uh, we find that find out her name towards the end. Um, and we also get to meet his wife, his wife back in the season three finale. Here's looking at you, kid. Yeah, we we assume that's his wife. Um, that was um, old lady McGinty. <laughs> but yeah, we never see old man McGinty. And there's been a total of nine references to McGinty or the McGinty family uh, throughout the show. Uh, the first one, interestingly enough, was back in the very first Married with Children Christmas episode. But we're taking some liberties here because that was uh, the name of Ginty, not McGinty. Yes, but very we, different. We, yeah, but we we uh, we like to assume that it's the same people. So I know Luigi does, and and I think I do too because I just I just like 
to to think that you know maybe they made a mistake. I mean, it was clearly an early draft because they went with Ginty, but all other references are McGinty. But it's just interesting to have the, the the first Christmas episode and the final Christmas episode have a reference. If you believe that Ginty is McGinty, um, they had a tree in that episode, and that was the one they were going to they were going to pick out because it's got lots of tinsel on it. And in this episode, they want a tree before Christmas this time, as opposed to throwing it out the day after Christmas and bringing it home. Now, has anyone picked out a tree yet? Oh, you know, the tree in the Ginty house sure is pretty this year. It's got lots of tinsel on it. <laughs> That'll be our tree. Now, kids, that's your job. He throws it out the day after Christmas, so bring it home. Right there. <laughs> but because it's the final... Actually, it's not the final reference to McGinty's. We will hear that name again this season. So it's the penultimate reference. In a few episodes, Tara, you hear the name again. Yeah, for one final time this season and this whole show. But yeah, there's references in You Better Watch Out, as I said, in Who's Looking at You, Kid, as we mentioned, in Hot Off the Grill, in Fuck the Stud, in The Wedding Repercussions, in Just a Little Off the Top, and a Bundy Thanksgiving. So there's three times this season alone. Nice looking neighbourhood there, complete with uh, the telescope that Allman McGinty uses. Uh, Al Moon in the Darcy's, thank courtesy of two marshmallows. Yes, so there's cotton candy for the asbestos, there's marshmallows for Al's butt. The telescope that Old Man McGinty uses to watch Kelly shower. So I guess Kelly has her own bathroom, or she's using Bud's old bathroom, or the main bathroom that we don't actually see. Whatever. Oh, the layout of this house. I know, it does my head in times. Oh, it does my head in too. And it's it's nice to see the whole neighbourhood like this, but you notice Bud points at the wrong house. I mean, it's pretty obvious you can see the Bundy house as we know it from the front. And then to its left and our right is uh, the Darcy house. So it's the Bundy house. And then to the right of that, as we look at it, it's the Darcy house. But Bud points more towards the our left side of the Bundy house and the house next to it on the on the left-hand side. So either he can't see from the back or he just was told to point at the wrong thing. I don't know. But I don't know either. Like, no, bud. No, bud. It's there. It's there. Move your finger. <laughs> so, yeah, Peg's, Peg's been carried away and she's all she's been doing is, is, is cook and bake. For display only. Yeah. It's just for looking at. Bless you. <laughs> you know, I'm tired looking out for the cops. I'm gonna get down to that mall employment office. You wanna come? No, I'm fine. I, I've, got, I've got some money put away. What kind of job are you gonna find on Christmas Eve? I don't know, but whatever kind of job it is, it can't be any more humiliating than this. So we're back. Not to the shoe store, but to Al and Griff. And they're still begging for money. They want to go to the mall employment office. But Griff apparently has some money put away. Yeah, what kind of job are you going to find on Christmas Eve? Yeah, I ask myself that. I mean, there's a lot of Christmas casual jobs you can get. And it's always on TV shows like this, or movies like this, where someone gets some sort of christmas theme humiliating job. And sure enough, flip to Al as the elf near. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you mean Hobbit? <laughs> Al, is that you? Man, you make one ugly Hobbit. 
I happen to be the elf in here. <laughs> At least I got a job. Well, I got a job. Well, I thought you said you had money put away. Well, I did, but uh, then I got a corn dog and a kitty coke, and there went my nest egg. <laughs> well, what kind of job you doing? I got an executive position in the overnight delivery business. Hey, Blitzen, get your tail back over to the sled. <laughs> Hi, I'm Prancer. <laughs> No kidding. Come on, Blitzen. It's time to get into our harness. What kind of reindeer games you playing over there, boy? One more crack out of you and I'll kick your curly-toed butt. <laughs> oh, nah, Griff, don't be bitter just because my job's better than yours. <sighs> is, is conducting or, or driving a, a train filled with obnoxious little hobbits <laughs> so yeah there's 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 one particularly obnoxious child on the on the train and um he's giving al some stick sure is um al kicks him off but then yeah and then griff comes over <laughs> and says wow you make one ugly hobbit <laughs> he does. which is which is not a, a reference to anything in particular but now more so because of lord of the rings it is so if you if you hear the word Hobbit, you're going to think of Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings movies and the Hobbit movies. Yes, the Hobbit movies came out quite a while after the Lord of the Rings ones did. Yes, and uh, if you even ha- if you haven't seen them, you definitely most people would have seen at least parodies of them. So Griff has got a job too, despite saying he had money put away. Oh, maybe he wants more money, you know? Well, he, he yeah, because he used up all his money after buying a corn dog and a kitty coke, <laughs> which wouldn't have been that expensive in 1996, surely. So Griff has landed himself an executive position in the overnight delivery business. Oh, this is way before Uber, too. He's a reindeer. <laughs> yes. But he's not a no man. And in comes in another reindeer. Uh, so Griff is Blitzen. And then Prancer comes in. Oh, yeah, Prancer. Yeah. And he's played by... Christian McLaughlin, or McLaughlin, and uh, well, he's relevant because uh, for this season, season 11, this guy is a, is a staff member. He's a story editor on the show. Uh, he's openly gay, so I guess they wanted someone um, who could convincingly be very camp. Yes, and uh, when he says, hi, I'm Prancer, and uh, the answer is, no kidding. I, I think that's a fun cameo for those in the know. He was featured in some sort of... I think it was a documentary series with a gay focus, but he was um, profiled as a story editor slash staff. Maybe he's a writer as well, working in Hollywood. So I don't have it. I, I can't find it anywhere. Not that I've looked for a while. He's, I think he was talking about the show, so I have to find it one day. Anyway, that's immaterial. One day will. Yeah, I will eventually. Um, so yeah, Al asks what kind of reindeer games he's playing over there. Indeed, indeed, yes. <laughs> Yes, one more crack and he'll get his curly toe butt kicked. <laughs> but all work is noble. Yeah, all, all work is noble, surely. Hey, Annabelle, all work is noble, hey. Oh, yeah, especially in this day and age. But back then, I say that, and then, you know, some obnoxious child comes and vomits on his shoes. I mean, what do you do? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of um, disasters, we're back at the Bundy house and Bud and Kelly come in looking a little bit... Agitated. Yeah, just a smidgen, eh? This is all your fault. 
What were you doing sticking the statues out the car window? What were you doing driving through a tunnel? I don't know what the big deal is, bud. Oh, you don't know what the big deal is, huh? We beheaded Mary and Joseph. We're going to jail. We're going to hell. Now, this is what we're going to do, see? Now, we're sticking to our story, see? We don't know nothing about no holy family, see? We'll, we'll do time. No one's sending me up the river on no nativity rep. See? Oh, my God. Now, keep your yappers shut. So what were you doing sticking the statues out the car window? <laughs> what were you doing driving through a tunnel? Yeah, well, you know, sometimes some places you've got to go through the tunnel. I mean, here in Perth, there's the, the, the Grand Farmer, Farmer Tunnel, and uh, you've got to go through that to get to certain places. Uh, uh, and you've got to cross bridges. So uh, I'm about to say, Kelly, you would not have lost the, the drive I did today. Or accompanying my friends to the like the um getting the trailer into the storage unit, so Kelly would not have lasted in my expedition expedition today. Nah, I would trust her to move stuff. But she doesn't see what the big deal is. <laughs> um, so this is <laughs> the sh- probably the most blasphemous the show has ever gone. Beheading statues of Mary and Joseph. <laughs> not only are they going to jail, but they're going to hell. Well, I think they were destined for there anyway. <laughs> oh yeah, and we do see hell later on this season. Yeah, it's uh, very realistic, I say. you got to tune in for that one. So to shut Bud up, Kelly slaps him. Yes. And then she she does this impression. Now, were you familiar with this, this style, this way of speaking that Kelly has? Yeah, I've heard it before. I'm not sure what it's originally from, but I've heard it in other things as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's her strongest impersonation of all time, but she's doing that. Jimmy Cagney, uh, old Hollywood uh, film gangster. But maybe like Yankee Doodle Dandy or something. Uh, see, I'm not too familiar with Jimmy Cagney's work, except for the obvious stuff. Uh, uh, so I'm more familiar with him as a, as a dancer, oddly enough, than a, a gangster actor. She could be doing a, a more generic gangster, not just Jimmy Cagney himself, but I think that's the obvious one. I think that's the one she is trying to remind us of. Come out and take it, you dirty yellow-bellied rat, or I'll give it to you through the door. You know what you mean? I mean, I said a parody of that, as you would have two at home alone, and the Angels with Filthy Souls, and its fictional sequel, Angels with Even Filthier Souls, fictional films in the Home Alone universe, that sort of thing. Yeah, and they made those especially, so they, they knew what they were doing. Keep the change, you filthy animal. When I was a boy, I thought there was an actual film. I thought there was an actual film that was Kevin was watching. I think a lot of people did, and, you know, they had to say, no, we did it for the film. <laughs> I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was hoping they were real films because I was hoping to watch them. <laughs> yeah, it's all that. See? Yes, we're going to jail. We know what we're going to do, see? We're sticking to our story, see? We don't want to hold the family, see? Yeah, see? So you hear that a lot on TV or movies, people just pretending to copy people like that and say, meh, see? I'm a gangster, see? Meh. Sound a bit like Peter Griffin. So yeah, that's Kelly's way of shutting Bud up. <laughs> oh my god. Now keep your yappers shut. We waited for over an hour in the snow and those creeps didn't show. It's just a contest. Um, you still have Christmas. To hell with Christmas! I want to win! <laughs> you see this money? 
This is the closest those kidnappers are gonna get to it. I'm gonna hunt that scum down if it takes every last cent she has. <laughs> I'm sure they're very, very sorry. No. <laughs> They'll be sorry, all right. Because when we find them, I'll tear out their fingernails. Oh. Rip their guts out. <laughs> and skin him alive! Oh. We did it! <laughs> it was us! It was her! You're not pinning this one on me, rat boy. <laughs> So Marcy and Jefferson come in and they waited over an hour. Marcy is so hell-bent on winning. And then she wants revenge. Oh, they're going to make sure they're very, very sorry. It's going to take every last cent she has. <laughs> um, I'm happy to welcome this. Uh, Marcy has one of her, not her insane moments, but one of her, um, her more violent speeches. When she gets all, yes, this is what I'm going to do. See? It's it's not her greatest violent speech. If you remember back to season three in the in the lost episode in I'll see you in court, where she says things like I will do things to them that'll make the devil himself vomit. <laughs> nice. But it's reminiscent of that, so it's always welcome when Marcy has her violent outbursts, her insane moments, or, or you know when her eyes glaze over, or she gets violent about or uh, revengeful about something. Yes. So yeah, I do like Marcy in this episode. Um, so this is this is when Bud cracks, and it's like it was us, it was her. But they've still got the statues. We still got your lousy statues. Good, because if so much as one hair is missing from their heads, <laughs> they don't have any hair. <laughs> they, um, they're not quite intact. <laughs> but they don't have. It. They don't have any. Ah! <laughs> so that was a good reveal. What I didn't say before was um, uh, with the with the kidnapping of the statues. Um, I don't think this is a, a an obvious re- uh, uh, reference, but uh, Kelly and Bud kidnapping the statues of Mary and Joseph. I think this must have been on Wikipedia on the Married Children Wiki. It says they featured references to the nineteen ninety six action thriller film Ransom. That might just be a coincidence because that film came out earlier that year. Might just be. Uh... I'm not sure if it came out in time for it to be made, deliberately made a reference to. Yeah, I'll just have a look at its release date. I I think it's just all released in November 8th. Probably a bit too early because this episode would, probably would have been written a few weeks before. However, yeah, that- I mean, that's what I think. But this is episode 8 of season 11, but it was produced 13th in the season. Yes. So they produced it 13th, about where about most of the Christmas episodes are produced, but it aired a lot earlier. Maybe, although this being said, I mean, obviously, that would always in the production code refers to when it was written, but not necessarily filmed or, um, well, not, not definitely not when it was aired, but I think it probably refers to when it was um, written, not film, necessarily filmed. This season is so out of whack, though, it's, it's all over the shop. But um, I think any reference to a film that has come out just a few weeks before is yeah. is a coincidence. Plus, it's just it's something so so broad and so obvious that it's going to happen anyway. It just happens to have a movie that was out just before, so it might just be a coinky dink. Might be. So we're back to the shoe store. I can't believe these don't come in a lower heel. 
Oh, they will. Just stand up on them. <laughs> I think selling shoes is getting a bit of grind on Hal and Biff. Yeah, they've done it enough now that they're, well, they're turning into... Alan Griff. It's not just Hootie and the Blowfish, they're turning into their counterparts, Alan Griff. So it's like Hal and, Hal and Biff have grown a pair each and Al comes in and they, they start giving him some stick. Hey, look! It's Santa's village idiot! What are you doing here? I have to use the bathroom, punk. <laughs> Don't they have one on the train? <laughs> oh, sure. You guys think you're funny, don't you? Well, let me tell you something. You're looking at your futures. I don't think so, elf boy. This is just a temporary job? Yeah, because we're going to go to college. <laughs> you got a girlfriend? I'll bet it's a redhead. How did you know that? <laughs> Lucky guess. Congratulations, boys. You've peaked. You're going to slave away here day in, day out, year in, year out, till one day you'll be close to 50 and you'll be an elf driving a choo-choo. <laughs> Santa's village idiot. Uh, well, because Santa's village idiot needs to use the toilets. Now, this is when we get uh, a good speech from Al. When he, he lays the truth on these boys. <laughs> yes. You're looking at your futures. Guess what? Hal's girlfriend is a redhead. Yeah, I bet it's a redhead. <laughs> and this is what we are talking about before with the callbacks to Scared Single in season eight. This is a pretty obvious one, I think. Well, more like it's pretty much reminds us of that, of that Al and Aaron dynamic. But this is a more acerbic version where Al took Aaron under his wing. With these guys, Al sees these two as punks, so he's like, I'm giving you a warning. It's not a gentle warning, it's a reality check of, ha-ha, <laughs> this is going to happen to you. Whereas with Aaron, he was trying to stop that from happening, but it backfired spectacularly. Yes. <laughs> Did not work. Not for- no effect, as the same Pokemon. Speaking of scared single, Al has scared off Hal and Biff. If, again, like I mentioned before, if you watch the boys exit, it's very comical, especially when they run into Gary and say, We quit, lady! Yep, he's like, I need my job back! I need my job back! Uh, hey. We quit, lady! What? Oh, um, ladies, please, please! Bundy, I gotta talk to you. Oh, what? You wanna rub it in, huh? Well, that's fine, because firing me was the best thing you could have done, because I have a better job now, with more responsibility. And a big hat, too! <laughs> so you can take your shoe store job and shove it, because I have something that's even more important. My self-respect. <laughs> You can have your job back. Thank you. <laughs> Gary, <laughs> I mean, you're not going to see Gary herself sell any shoes, are you? <laughs> but she hears the toilet flush, so she knows that Al's on the premises. The toilet. Gary gets Al to get his job back. <laughs> Gary says he can have his job back. <laughs> Al's down at their feet. She, um, Al wants Gary to give Griff his job back too. All right, I want you to give Griff his job back. Although he's a proud man, he may not take it. I'll take it! (laughs) What else? More money? Hey, I'm making the demands here! (laughs) 
I also want more money. <laughs> and that tree. Hmm. No more money. You can have the tree after Christmas. No, no. Before Christmas. I'm going to put my foot down. You drive a hard bargain for a smurf. He's an elf. That's ex-elf. <laughs> and this is a spectacular entrance by Griff in full reindeer dress. I think the audience loved it too, and I think Gary enjoyed it too, despite her, her steely presence. But to me, she was hiding her laughter. I don't know if you noticed that, but if you go back and watch it, she's trying very hard not to laugh, or at least not laugh at him so much, at this giant man dressed as a reindeer. Which I'm sure has happened many a times in the making of a sitcom over the years. Um, especially even in the days before they, um, even back in the days when videotape was expensive, like when they were making All in the Family. Uh, there's a couple of seasons in that one where Rob Ryan is trying really hard not to crack up. Oh, I bet. Uh, we didn't ask Harold Sylvester about this um, this outfit or this episode uh, in particular, but um, <laughs> I would have loved to get his thoughts on it. Because you notice the the reindeer costumes are a little bit too short for him. And just the the whole spectacle is is very amusing, and I think yeah yeah I think Janet Carroll found it very amusing too. And as did the audience, as I said, so uh, they both have their jobs back, but what else? Oh, they want more money and that tree. Well, how about this? No more money, and you can have the tree after Christmas. No, before Christmas. You gonna put your foot down? Yes. Bing a ling a ling. You drive a hard bargain for a smurf. You mean ex-elf? <laughs> yeah, and not Hobbit. Yeah. So yeah, Gary leaves and we assume, yep, Al's, Al's getting a tree. So, you know, he got he got one demand. And to be fair, I'm sure Al would have preferred the extra money and not cared about the tree. Yeah, uh, as, we, as we find at the end, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a bit torn on... I mean, it's nice that Al got the tree for him and the family because that's what they asked for, but... He would have, easy. I think Al would have taken the money, as would all the Bundys, yeah. So, yeah, we're back to the Bundys, not at the Bundy house, but they're now in the freezing cold outdoors. Yes, it's a little bit freezy, isn't it? Especially, well, given that Chicago is very cold at Christmas. Bud and Kelly are, are extra cold because they're standing out in... And as Marcy and Jefferson's nativity scene. So their punishment is to dress as statues. <laughs> and they do a decent job so far. Damn, it's cold. <laughs> Freezing my frankincense off. It's all your fault, mistletoe. <laughs> Mom, please make her let us go. No. What you did was wrong. You had no intention of sharing that ransom money with me. <laughs> shh, shh. Here come the judges. Merry Christmas, Darcy's. I see you've outspent yourselves as usual. It is a beautiful display, though. So lifelike. <laughs> yes, but Mary looks a bit trampy. <laughs> Very lifelike. I know, too lifelike, but what's wrong with Mary? She looks a bit trampy. <laughs> what a bitch. It looks like Marcy's won. Well, I hate to say it, but I think we may have a winner. Yes, I 
spirit of Christmas. <laughs> well, I think she means she brought the spirit of Christmas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to you lovely people. Wait a minute. Look at the Bundy's window. Is that our neighborhood? Uh, I made it myself out of gingerbread. <laughs> Look, Marge, isn't that your father with his telescope? <laughs> Congratulations, Mrs. Bundy. Here's your trophy. And a hundred dollars. Thanks. You know, I haven't won anything since I was Miss Teenage Wanker. <laughs> and you get second prize. A fruitcake. <laughs> Shove the fruitcake, you bitch. What's that in the Bundy's window? <gasps> yeah, look, Marge. Now, I'm not sure which judge is which, but one of them's called Marge, and her dad is old man McGinty. So now we have met another person of the McGinty family, and she has a name. Yes. I'm stupidly excited about that. I know. Well, hey, I like doing, I love doing anything about my favourite show. Um, any bit of tri- loose tribute about my favourite show. Um, this is why Anna. Some of my friends find it hard to believe they're a bigger fans than I, I am. <laughs> oh, just wait till they meet us all. Yeah, yeah. I, t- I was telling my mate who was helping out today. Uh, yeah, you get along. With, I think you get along if, if you two met. Um, well, I, t- I told you you're a bigger fan of the show than I am. Blah 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 blah. So yeah, Marcy has not won at all. Peg has. She wins a hundred dollars, which is uh, let's see, a hundred bucks today. That's one hundred eighty-six dollars twenty-nine cents in American, and for us, that is two hundred seventy-two dollars eighty-eight cents. Okay, that's not too shabby at all. Uh, it's yeah, it's just a hundred dollars for a neighborhood decorating contest and a massive trophy, but that that money will will cover the cost of um, all the food that she to make this in the first place, I'm sure. I mean, and some streets would probably do things like this, Anna, because, uh, I mean, some every neighbourhood's different, but um, my na- my street's pretty neighbourly. Where I was today helping out, so that's very neighbourly. Like, uh, my mate knows all her neighbours, for example, very well. Yeah, I mean, we, we don't... We we don't really like we as Australians in, in general we don't really have stuff like this. But I, I'm speaking very generally. There probably are neighbourhoods now that do have competitions like this i'm not sure about the rules and regulations with councils and blah 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 but you know people do go all out for christmas now and they decorate it to high heavens and some of it's quite extraordinary i'm not sure if they have actual competitions or if they just do something and people go oh wow that's the best there's quite a few streets in perth at christmas time that are all lit up Mm. especially when you go down all the all the back streets and the side streets and you find more houses that are just radiating light and I just think, wow, the electricity bills are going to be off the scale. So yeah, a hundred bucks just for baking a neighbourhood and a and a massive trophy, and and that's pretty good. And Peg's delighted, and she hasn't won anything since she was Miss Teenage Wanker. Yeah, that's a long time ago now. <laughs> <laughs> but Ma- hang on, well, there's one more thing. Uh, Marcy gets a second prize. I'm pretty sure she gets a fruit cake. Yeah, I like the way the lady, the judge, says, A fruitcake. <laughs> but Marcy's not very pleased. No, she. I think Marcy's thinking about 
way back in season two when when Marcy and Steve got given a fruitcake with a, with a <laughs> footprint on it from the Bundys. That was a very nutritious fruitcake, hey? <laughs> so shove the fruitcake, you bitch. She does, oh, she's so vitriolic, I love it. So do I. We'll take it. <laughs> yeah, we love fruitcake. <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty much how the episode ends. However, we do get a little epilogue because this is season 11. So we get a little extra scene and we're back inside the Bundy house trying to get warm and there's a report just in. Hundreds of people are flocking to the Dan Ryan Tunnel to see a Christmas miracle. Witnesses are saying that the heads of Joseph and the Virgin Mary appear to be embedded in the tunnel wall. <laughs> uh, hundreds of people are flocking to the Dan Ryan Tunnel to see a Christmas miracle. And this is one of those things where it's very American. It's one of those American references that if you know who Dan Ryan is, you're going to understand the joke or get the reference straight away. But I think for people like us, we're like, who's Dan Ryan? It's like here in Perth, people aren't from Perth or who's Graham Farmer because there's a uh, freeway number after him here. Yeah, exactly. I don't know who that is. So, <laughs> well, it's very funny that witnesses are saying the heads of Joseph and the Virgin Mary are embedded in a tunnel wall. I'm stuck on, oh, okay, Dan Ryan, that's some sort of American reference I don't understand. So do you want to tell everybody who Dan Ryan is? Okay, so the Dan Ryan Expressway is an expressway, freeway, motorway, whatever the heck you want to call it, in Chicago, running from the Circle Interchange, uh, which is in downtown Chicago. So through the south side of the city, through the southern suburbs, uh, designated I-90 and I-94, runs for um, 7.44 miles, or just under 12 kilometres, meets the Chicago Skyway, south of 66th Street, and Dan Ryan, it's the same after Dan Ryan Jr., who is a former president of the Cook County, the county, um, the much of Chicago, well, the city of Chicago, and a fair few suburbs are in, but board of commissioners. And the Dan Ryan Expressway was opened in 1961. Okay, so it's probably very well known in Chicago. You're about to say, yeah, Chicago and Chicagoans would definitely know the Dan Ryan Expressway. Not much else is made of that, except we do hear Marcy scream off stage. So Al comes in and he and he's got a tree. Merry Christmas! Al, you got a tree. Oh, Daddy, and before Christmas. Oh, oh honey, how was your day? Oh, same old thing. Peg started out at the shoe store, you know, ended up at the shoe oh. store. You know, this is the best Christmas ever. We got a tree, and I won the neighborhood decorating contest. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I still have nine toes. Eight. It's a Christmas miracle. Yeah, this is actually a sweet moment, because at the beginning of the episode, they wanted a tree, especially, you know, Kelly said it. So Al has gotten his pumpkin, he's got his family, a tree, and before Christmas. Is it just me, or is it a funny-looking tree? Yeah, it's, an, it's a definitely a very unusual-looking Christmas, unusual-looking Christmas tree. Oh, it's just so, it's so tall and skinny. But yeah, this is um, a very wholesome family moment. Almost too wholesome for married with children. Yeah, well, but this is why you very rarely get these married with children. <laughs> yeah, oddly enough, you do get them a little bit in these some of these Christmas episodes. So I think that's the only time where they let them be a little bit more wholesome. 
That being said, though, this last season is when they had new producers, new writers, a whole new production team, pretty much. So they're probably gearing the show more towards other sitcoms on TV. So they probably, to an extent, had to, for lack of a better word, start acting like other families. I'm not entirely sure if that's the case. I think that's just what has come across in this final season, where it's a little bit more family-friendly. And it's all very happy holidays, and and there's a bit of a happy ending. But it's still got that Bundy-esque flavour at the end of the episode with Bud losing a toe or two. Yeah, I know, because uh, Bud says he has nine toes. And I was just going to say, if people wanted wholesome, they'll just watch Family Ties or something like that. That scene at the end when, when Bud still has nine toes and then eight. That reminds- <laughs> That reminded me of Blonde and Blonder a season earlier, or exactly a season earlier, with Kelly's date, Eric Nine Toes Waters. Oh, yes. Yes, so there's a thing about people on this show having nine toes, but we never hear about Bud's feet ever again. Although, we do see his feet in a later episode this season, and he seems to have all ten toes intact, but we don't see too much. They're obviously regenerated, so he's obviously got the abilities like Cell does in Dragon Ball Z to regrow his body parts. Yeah, because this show is a cartoon at this point. Yeah, Dragon Ball Z is very much a cartoon. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it's all Merry Christmas and, and Al even hugs his wife and everyone's gathered around the tree and they're all happy. And, and it's very merry and jolly, and that's the end. Yes, and notably, the closing credits for this episode are played over a still frame of different music. Yeah, No Love and Marriage, which probably uh, handy for people who own the DVD where the music would have been replaced anyway. So yeah, basically it's Deck the Halls and Jingle Bells again. Yeah, so... Uh... Like I said, so I've always, it's always been a nice touch, um, this ending. It's got, so it's got a unique ending, obviously. Something we haven't really seen before. Yeah. For Christmas, I mean. I and mean, there's other there's been episodes with other music played over the top. Not often, though, because there's either been scenes, or I suppose the only other episode that's really happened with different music is Anna. Yes, from season five. No Ma'am will be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. How many houses are you going to bake as part of your gingerbread neighborhood for this episode, Matt? All right, Anna. So, uh, I'm going to uh, light my uh, dishwasher, I mean oven, and uh, I'm going to bake three gingerbread houses for this episode. Uh, okay, I mean, even with certain seven blighting the seventh season Christmas episode, uh, I hate to say this, but this is my um, 
least favourites of the um, Buried Children Christmas episodes of the, out of all six of them. So I still enjoy it, especially the ending's really nice, but uh, I just, it just seems a bit weaker than the other ones. It seems it's weaker than, you're cooking with butter. You better watch out, or um, it's a bunnyful life. Uh, or the Duke box, yeah. It's definitely got a weaker plot than the other five Christmas episodes. Uh, to be fair, at this point, they'd already done five Christmas episodes. Because uh, notably, Married to Children did not have a Christmas episode every year. So... Uh, oh, 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 for a question, when you get to your review, Anna, Anna um, I wouldn't mind... Do, do you think Married to Children would have struggled to do a Christmas show every season? Maybe. I, I do wonder why they didn't do one every single year. It might have something to do with uh, network pressure or the fact that probably everyone who's writing them are Jewish. I don't know, but um, maybe it just wasn't high on their agenda. But struggle, I don't don't think so. It's just odd that they don't do them every year. They don't even do them every second year. Because it would be nice to have a Christmas episode in, say, season five, six or three. Yeah, but maybe they just didn't want to unless they had to. Maybe. Or maybe they felt, you know, they might be too schmaltzy, you know? Yeah, especially given the show Married to Children too is. Sugary. Yeah, so nothing, I mean, I, I mean, Hal and Biff are a nice touch. Gary, I mean, Gary's a good here, but uh, I can't give this episode any more than the three because it's just simply weaker than the other Christmas episodes. Uh, I'm mainly comparing it to the other Christmas episodes at this point. So, uh, yeah, I can only bake three gingerbread houses for me, myself, for this episode. Okay, that's very good. As for myself... I think I will bake three and a half gingerbread houses for this episode in my gingerbread neighborhood, complete with asbestos and marshmallows, or maybe just one marshmallow for half a butt. (laughs) Um, Like you, I'll preface this by saying I like, I genuinely like and enjoy all six Christmas episodes. I really, really do. But like you, this is my, probably my least favorite and not for any it doesn't stand out as like worse than the others or anything like that it just when you compare them to the other christmas episodes it comes off as weaker and i think that's the fault if it is a fault of the show having new writers new producers and uh, it's a bit tricky to explain but it's just a bit more family a bit more wholesome and you know that's fine i like it when I like it when the bunnies are nice to each other, but it's not in their usual, you know, I will fight another family because of um, my loyalty to my family. It's, oh, we're being nice to each other. But I did like that Al got a tree and just in time for Christmas, like the family had asked. So that was a nice touch. Um, I'm surprised Al uh, just didn't get the money or any money really straight up. Of course, Al is going to be humiliated with another another job that demeans him and or is demeaning this time he's dressed as a hobbit <laughs> or a smurf or an elf no he's an elf ear and he has to work around some obnoxious children the 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 plot with marcy and jefferson i actually like i think it's it's very silly but it's very funny to me anyway um it's nice to see jefferson and marcy involved more with a Christmas episode especially Marcy and it's nice to see Marcy heavily involved in an episode that she has directed so yes yeah and Amanda Burse has done has directed a lot of episodes this season and I think the ones that she has directed 
so far have been pretty good. Her episodes are usually pretty tight. So any any f- drawbacks are just with the weak, obvious jokes, like the ones I mentioned and how they're writing Kelly this season. She is even dumber than usual. But there's a lot to enjoy here. Um, I try not to compare it with other Christmas episodes. Sometimes when I watch all, Chris- all the Christmas episodes on Christmas Day, for example, I might shake up the order. Um, one tradition I didn't um, speak of earlier when you asked me, Matt, is um, on Christmas Day, I will try to watch at least one or two Married with Children Christmas episodes. Sometimes I watch them in order, but if I've got people, namely, say, husband or my parents at my house, I will ask them what they want to watch first because they are familiar with the show. William, my husband, will say, any, they're all good. My mother will say, oh, let's watch this one because she, like I, like the worst Noel, probably the best of the Christmas episodes. Nice. So we might watch that one first and then, you know, go back to season two because it's the first one and that's arguably one of the best ever and it's a classic for a reason and it's just amazing to watch. And then you've got It's a Wonderful Life. So, you know, these later Christmas episodes are not going to compete as well with these earlier ones. But that's a that's a discussion about Christmas episodes itself. Whereas we're talking about an episode in season 11. And I've prattled on and on a lot, but what I'm saying is I enjoyed this episode. I think for season 11, it's on the stronger side. Yes, yes. Um, especially the f- the first half of this season is, is pretty good. I was very nervous coming into a season 11 because I don't think it's that great. Um, but it is nice, A, to have the family all back together this season. It does. And like I said, it's nice to have everybody involved in this episode. I mean, they've got Peg doing something that is so out of character, but it somehow works. And it does work. I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's fun. It's enjoyable. If you don't, it's only when you analyze something this thoroughly that you, you find its faults. I don't like the weak Kelly jokes this season and particularly this episode. And her impression of Jimmy Cagney or whoever it was could have been better, but you know it was fun, and there's a lot of and it's and it's great to see. I thought the guys playing Hal and Biff were pretty good too, especially Hal, and having seen Jonathan Mangum on stage with his um, improv partner Wayne Brady, that's pretty cool because I know what this guy is capable of, and I think he's great. So it's very cool to see him, and he looks pretty much the same now as he did back then. He's just one of those guys who just is going to look the same. Yeah, yeah. The end of time, basically. Yeah, it's fun, and I I do like that Gary is is laughing possibly at Griff in his reindeer outfit. There's a couple of good jokes here. I just some of the obvious jokes just stick out to me. But you know, it's a solid three, and and then another half. So three and a half houses in my gingerbread neighbourhood for this episode. Nice. Well said. Well said. Uh... Yeah, because it's still coherent show at this point. And I will say, last year, so 2021, I watched some of the Christmas episodes when I was visiting my friend in Brisbane, and I watched some of them when I got home after that. And do you find that you enjoy episodes differently, either more or less when you're watching it with someone? Uh, hard to say, because I normally watch Married with Children myself, but uh, when I was watching my friend Jody in Brisbane, uh, I think I enjoyed them definitely the same, and uh, yeah, she did, she got the whole interactive sport, so to speak, experience in me watching Married with Children. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just interesting sometimes if you watch something like this that you're so familiar with, and watch them with someone who has 
not seen a particular episode or doesn't know anything about it and then seeing where they laugh out loud if it's you know the same places where everybody laughs or they find something funny that no one else has found funny before or they like different episodes or different seasons than you or if it's you know you're arguing with someone on the internet they're like Jefferson is better than Steve or something silly and yeah anyway but you know there's a lot of married children to go around well, hopefully I get to um, introduce more friends in the, sh- in, to the, in the future to the show. Yeah, well, as we have discussed at the end of last season and this season, there may well be a future to be discussed and more of a future for future people to, future generations to enjoy. And if this animated thing does happen, people are going to discover and rediscover this show. They are so. Yeah, I, it's not going to go. If it's if the show if the show was going to go away, it would have gone away by now. I think so. I mean, this being said, in my social circles, because I'm I'm known by basically ninety percent, if not more, of my friends for loving it. Um, I'm always a bit biased in that regard, as opposed to like people's knowledge of the show that I know personally. Because some people, some of my friends, if they weren't friends with me, um, would, um, may not have heard about the show. Yeah, exactly. And especially younger people who <laughs> won't have heard the, of the show. I mean, there's people born after the year 2000. I mean, that's that's amazing. <laughs> uh, like, what's this? Huh? Yeah. What? Telephones used to have cords? What? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, that's pretty much it for us today. And that was the final Bundy Christmas episode for, for Married with Children. Unless there is something next year that we can talk about. But in the meantime... Stay tuned for the next episode where the Married Children podcast will be reviewing Season 11, Episode 9, Crimes Against Obesity. When Al goes too far with the fat insults, he's put on trial by all the obese women he has insulted over the years. That one's going to be a lot of fun, I think. I think it will be, so you've got to tune in for that one next week, everyone. Yep, so thank you, Matt. And... Yeah, peace out, everyone. Have a great Christmas, even though it's barely the end of August. Mazel tov.